I'm Chelsea, and I love true crime. And I'm David, and I love horror movies. And this is our one-year podcasting anniversary special uh, based on true crime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, well, happy anniversary, Chelsea. Happy anniversary to you, too. Now we have a third anniversary to celebrate. Wow. Very exciting. Yes. Um, but we are so happy to not only be here celebrating our one-year anniversary with you guys, but to just be back in general. So we took a little bit of a break to uh, move most of the way across the country. Yes. Uh, yes, we did. So this is the first episode that we are recording in sunny, beautiful Santa Fe that I'm just already madly in love with. Yeah, New Mexico is awesome. So for this very special episode, we put out the call for questions and topics that you guys would want to hear us cover and uh, you guys delivered i was so pleased with uh with the response that we got we got some really really interesting questions and topic ideas that we're uh, we're excited to talk to you guys about yeah super excited yeah the, no the questions were great i was uh thank you everybody for jumping in and, and uh asking such hard-hitting questions yes and i love that we got quite a few horror movie related questions they weren't all true crime so yes david is in his element <laughs> yeah so without further ado why don't we get into our very first uh, topic suggestion? So this is from Lee, one of the hosts of the excellent Lust Mordia podcast. And she wanted us to talk a little bit about people in movies who turned out to be murderers. Why don't you go first, David? The first one that came to mind really was Robert Blake. Yes. And, oh, yeah. And uh, he jumped uh, to the forefront of my mind because we covered one of his more famous films, which was In Cold Blood in episode 10 of our show. And, uh, well, just as a refresher, on May 4th of 2001, Blake took Bonnie Lee Bakley to an Italian restaurant. His wife. Yes. And he claimed that after they left the restaurant, he realized that he had left his gun, oops, at their table and went back to get it. Should probably keep track of that. Yeah, right? Well, it wasn't there. And when he came back, his wife had, oh, surprise, she had been fatally shot in the head while sitting in their car. But he has a perfect alibi because he was going to get his gun. So clearly he didn't have his gun to shoot her, right? Right, exactly. But turned out that the gun was not the murder weapon, but Blake ended up being arrested and charged with the murder. And basically it was a murder for hire, which involved, well, interestingly enough, a few Hollywood stuntmen. Yes, but, got the best part, acquitted of all charges. Yes. (laughs) Welcome to Hollywood. Yep, welcome to Hollywood. Uh, One free pass to kill your wife or spouse or significant other i mean he was in the little rascals right (laughs) yeah yeah that's when they gave him the pass he was like six years old and they're like you might need this someday yeah yeah okay so what do you have well i picked one i maybe cheated a little bit because this person is not a famous actor but it's one of my favorite just weird Hollywood stories. So this is Paul Bateson. He was a background actor in The Exorcist. So uh, in the late 70s, uh, six men were found dismembered and wrapped in plastic bags in the Hudson River. These murders were eventually linked to Paul Bateson, who was an x-ray technician, and he was in the background of a scene that was filmed in the hospital for The Exorcist. So they used um, a real neurosurgeon and his team. So You know, you see Paul Batesman in the movie, you see his face. That's actually, I think the director of the movie recognized him when he was in the news later, because it turns out that during that time period when he was in the movie, these murders were actually occurring. That's so freaky. So he was actually caught when they found the body of film critic Addison Verrill in his New York apartment, beaten to death. And Bateson confessed to meeting Verrill at a gay bar, going home with him, And then later that night, killing him and ransacking his apartment. And it was while he was in prison for this crime that he confessed to uh, his fellow inmates to doing the same thing with other men. So there were these other men that were, you know, found 
dismembered, although he was never officially linked to those crimes. And he was released from prison in 2004. Wow. So, yep. Not very long to serve, even if it's only one murder. Yeah, yeah. And captured on celluloid forever. Yes, yes. The uh, I think it was the director who saw it in the news and actually contacted him and went and spoke with him while he was in prison. So just a, a strange connection. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing compared to the uh, poltergeist curse, though. Yep. That's It's going to come up later, right? Yeah, it yeah. is. Actually, it's going to come up right now. So uh, Valerie wants us to talk about um, some actors or movie-related persons who were murdered. So do you want to go first again? Oh, sure. We so... got that connection, that good segue. <laughs> yeah, and we actually just watched the sequel to this movie. Um, so it was poltergeist actor Dominique Dunn. And she played Dana Freeling, who is the oldest daughter in the film. Um, she plays Carol Ann's sister. And she was tragically murdered by a former boyfriend and, well, sounds like stalker and abuser, uh, John Thomas Sweeney. Not to be confused with the serial killer, John Sweeney. From what I've heard, their names kind of get mixed up here and there. And he strangled her in the driveway of her North Hollywood home on October 30th of 1982. And she later died after, well, it put her into a coma. And she passed away a few days later on November the 4th. And John Thomas Sweeney was sentenced to seven years was it on manslaughter charges, but was released after just serving about half of that. That is nuts. Wow. Yeah. Well, what's even more nuts is that he, um, once he was released into the public, he became a chef. And I believe um, the Dunn family tried for years to, you know, seek out like a, uh, what's the right word? Um, Biblical justice? Yes. Oh. <laughs> and he yeah. changed his name in the mid 90s and disappeared it's off off of the, the radar anyway. So he's probably still alive and, and out there and maybe he's cooking food at your favorite restaurant oh god no that's really freaky and it's interesting so i didn't actually choose her but i did read a bit about uh rebecca schaefer so she was i guess most famously known for the being the star of my sister sam the tv show oh yeah and she was murdered by a stalker but it was in 1989 and apparently that's when they enacted the more strict anti-stalking laws oh so before that it was like not really considered a big deal or a warning sign when you know clearly it was these are just two very young actresses who were murdered yeah super tragic yeah um who do you have as your main as your main actor so as my main um act well actor slash movie related person uh so i picked adrian shelley so she was an actor but she's more famously known for being a a writer and director so she was born june 24th 1966 and she began acting when she was 10 but um just by the late 90s she had started a few movies but had already kind of shifted over to wanting to be a writer and a director so those more behind the scenes roles and her big break you know what you guys probably know her from even if you don't know her yet so she wrote directed and co-starred in the movie waitress which is just an adorable movie i i really love it they recently adapted it so now it's a musical also which i'd love to see someday hint hint david uh, <laughs> yep. but it stars carrie russell and nathan fillion uh-huh. for all you uh brown coats out there right on uh, yeah so she was married with an infant daughter and she was waiting to hear whether waitress would be accepted into the Sundance film festival, which it it was, that was where it premiered. Um, but on November 1st of 2006, before she got that good news, she was found dead in her West village apartment. Yeah. Her body was found hanging in the bathroom and police initially said that they believed it was a suicide, but her husband insisted that she would not have taken her own life. She had, a lot of good things going for her she also had a daughter who was just two months old and the police examined further and they found a sneaker print on the toilet in gypsum dust and this print was matched to a construction worker who had been working in the building a 19 year old diego pilco and he had been working construction in the apartment upstairs he confessed to killing adrian Uh, Although he was not very straightforward in terms of why, he gave a few stories. One of them was that she had complained about the noise they were making upstairs and he got angry and he threw a hammer at her. And then he was worried that she would report his behavior and get him uh, deported because he was 
an illegal immigrant. I think he was from Ecuador. So then he he killed her because, you know, that's that's what you do. But that's not the only story. He actually later said that he was on break when he saw her and, you know, she caught his eye. She's like a beautiful blonde. And he said he followed her into her apartment and assaulted her and killed her. People tend to believe that story more because actually because of that gypsum dust. So she did not have any gypsum dust on her shoes, which they think if she had gone upstairs to complain about the noise, she would have you know had some traces of that since that's how they caught him. Wow. But we'll never know the truth. He did confess to killing her um, and got 25 years for manslaughter. Whew, jeez. I know. So sad. She's so talented. And I I really like that movie. It's really cute. You have not seen it. We should watch it together. Yeah, it sounds like it's a cute movie. Yeah. So we had a question from Alex. Her question was, movies that we're glad that aren't true crime based and true crimes that we're glad aren't movies. So Chelsea, what... Uh... I think I have the best answer for this one. I think I claim the best answer. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very, very, very glad that a human centipede is not based on a true crime. <laughs> Perfect. Right? Yeah, yeah. That would just be a step too far. Although I feel like every true crime podcast would have an episode about it because it's just so messed up. Oh, totally. Yeah. And true crimes that I'm glad they haven't made movies about. You know, the first one that came to mind to me was the Sandy Hook Massacre because it's terrible and I can't imagine them ever making a movie about that. Yeah. I feel like... At their core, movies should be at least a little bit entertaining. And there's absolutely nothing in that story that's not just heartbreaking. You know, and I feel that way about all school shootings. And most of them you know, don't have movies, except actually there are quite a few movies about Columbine. I guess there's something there's something weird about Columbine. So you get the like people who kind of idolize them that I just do not and will never understand. I mean, we just had another school shooting on Friday and it's it's very, very sad to me. So after that downer, what do you have, David? Well, I'm really glad uh, that Friday the 13th isn't based on a true crime um, because, you know, Jason just keeps coming back. And so far as I know, there are no uh, real life cases of an undead person coming back from the grave again and again to slaughter campers or camp counselors i think that's kind of a good thing (laughs) yeah so not as good of an answer as your human centipede uh by far but it probably would have been your choice if i hadn't already uh told you i was doing it (laughs) no i didn't even think of that oh really yeah (laughs) i was just like I'm glad that there's no hockey mask killer. I mean, there have been. We we actually did that one episode where we talked about the Jason and Freddy inspired. It's true, yeah. Uh, murderers, but you know, it wasn't the other way around. So, yep. and I'm with you. I'm glad that film adaptations of school shootings are seem to be mostly off limits. And you know, as you said, especially today's era of yeah. frequent school shootings, um, yep. it's super a super sensitive and and terrible hot button topic and i'm just glad that we are not watching film series about school shootings for sure yeah and i would say that's probably a topic that we're not going to cover <laughs> you know even i know the columbine movies exist but i was grew up through columbine and that's not really something that i feel like researching and talking about yeah, yeah. same here so we have a question our next question actually justin and charles both asked similar versions of this so what are some murders that aren't movies yet but should be movies actually i found six all in the same article and this was in uh, an article called six true crimes that could make great movies by shyler martin and uh, we'll include the link to that in the show notes and the one that stood out to me was the story of the greenbrier ghost which is a west virginia murder trial that it seems to stand as one of the few in which a ghost testimony was allowed as evidence and we did talk about this in our halloween episode right one of our halloween episodes yes yeah yep i believe we did and uh just as a recap it happened when a young woman died in 1897 which she passed away reportedly of natural causes but her spirit appeared to her mother and she revealed the true cause of death which was the murder um, by the hands of her husband and the woman's wounds um, ended up matching what the spirit allegedly told her mom and the cause of death was changed and it was ruled as murder that would be an awesome movie i would absolutely watch that um how about you what do you have well my choice was actually another one we talked about in the podcast 
podcast. So in our Black Christmas episode, we talked about Theodore Edward Coney's, aka the Denver Spider-Man. Oh, creepy. Yes. And I feel like it would be a perfect horror movie. And you could take some liberties. So so the real story goes, you know, he had snuck into this person's house and fit through this little teeny tiny door into the attic crawl space and had been living in there for, I think, weeks or months before he was caught by the homeowner. Uh, so he killed the homeowner, went back up in the attic and kept living there until he was um finally caught you know the house had been vacated the man's wife moved back in and then just left because of all these weird happenings that were this guy living in the roof and he was eventually caught he like came down and looked out a window while police were patrolling and they saw him they ran in they were able to grab him by the legs just as he was going through the (laughs) tiny crawl space oh the little Um, worm oh my gosh and it's just it feels like it should be a movie and I, i don't know why it's not yet you could really sell so many tickets just by saying things are based on true stories, even if they're very loosely based. And I feel like you could do an almost literal adaptation of this story and it would be perfect and terrifying. Although my idea for a movie would be actually from the perspective of like an across the street neighbor. So you could have, you know, the neighbor realizing that, you know, there was the person who was murdered there and they don't know who it is. And then they start having like eerie happenings with the house and everyone thinks it's the ghost of the guy who was murdered and then eventually discovering it's, it's a real person. So hey, that's I my idea. just thought of a theme song for that. Movie. For that? Yeah. What'd it be? Denver Spider-Man, Denver Spider-Man <laughs> lives in whatever home that he can. Yep. Perfect. Yep. I like it. All right. So from Justin, we have, who was the first serial killer to have a movie made about their crimes? So Chelsea, what have All you right. got? So I did a little bit of research for this one. And what I found was the first movie is 1909's The Crimes of Diogo Alves. Aha. And this was about 20 years before the more famous um, M. I think we've talked about that on the podcast. So yeah. Another, um, serial killer movie. But this movie is only seven minutes long. It was a Portuguese film. And the true story behind it, it was a man named Diogo Alves, and he would ambush farmers that were returning home along a path that was on a 200-foot-high aqueduct. So he would rob them and then throw them over the edge. And at first, police thought, oh, so many people are killing themselves by jumping off of this aqueduct. But he did this uh, close to 70 times. Wow. And eventually, they just closed the bridge. (laughs) I don't blame them. Yeah, Yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah. So... Diogo formed a gang of robbers and he started invading people's homes and he killed four more people that way before he was uh, finally caught. He was executed by hanging in 1941 and his head was kept preserved in a jar. And you've probably seen this picture. You, you, the, our global listenership. (laughs) Uh, It's incredibly well preserved and it went a little bit viral maybe like a year or two ago because he kind of looks like ed sheeran (laughs) yeah uh so look it up if you aren't put off by that sort of thing it's it's not like i mean it's gross but it's not graphic it just looks like a person's head in a jar (laughs) weird yeah 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 i think i remember seeing that one that's pretty amazing We have another one, another good one from Justin. He had a lot of good movie ones. So uh, this question is, what serial killer has had the most films about their crimes? And I had a guess of who it was and research seemed to confirm it. And we talked about this actually in our From Hell episode of Jack the Ripper. And um, Chelsea found a list of 115 movies and TV show episodes about Jack yeah. And the first Hitchcock movie, right? Which was The Lodger. Yep. Also about Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, that, that story is quite prolific. Yeah. I remember going th- in our episode about that. I was like going through the, I was like, oh, what are some highlights? This won't be that difficult. And it was just one after the other, after the other. It's like, uh, goes back in time to find Jack, Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper goes to the future to murder people. It's a cartoon bear that's also Jack the Ripper. I don't know. It's like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah Jack and no, the Beanstalk versus Jack the Ripper. Oh, no, that's not one. Yeah. Jack v. Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I know some other contenders were, you know, there are a lot of movies about Ed Gein, some uh, more literal than others, but there's just 
nothing like Jack the Ripper. <laughs> is that, that's the quote. There is just nothing like Jack nothing the like Ripper. Jack the Ripper. You could put that on the back of every Jack the Ripper movie. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. The other one from Justin. Um, Chelsea, what was the first R-rated horror movie? This was a bit of a, a stumper. Yeah. So I, I tried to get to the bottom of this, but it's a little weird. So this conventional rating system of, you know, the GPG... PG-13, whatever, and then like the R rating uh, didn't really exist before November 1st of 1968. So that's when it went into effect. The first one I could find that was a horror movie that came out after that was uh, Scream Baby Scream, which I've not seen or heard of. And that was January 1st of 1969. But the other issue is, you know, they went back and rated movies that had come out beforehand. So something like Rosemary's Baby came out in April of 1968, but it has an R rating. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, you did some good sleuthing though. Yeah. Yeah. And we did take some liberty. So we decided to, David at least can talk about what the first R rated horror movie he saw was. And yeah, I just kind of took it to kind of personalize it a bit. And uh, the first R rated horror movie that I saw in theaters was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. And my dad took me to see it. I was, uh, I was pretty young at the time. Yeah. I, I loved it. And that kind of, uh, that one stands out the most um, in terms of seeing it in the theater. And then my first R-rated VHS movie ended up being the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So good. Yeah. Well, that one sort of traumatized me when my cousins rented it. And of course, I saw it. I was very young. I was probably like 10 or 11. Oh. And uh, yeah, the, the biggest uh, scene that freaked me out and stayed with me was when the two guys are uh, racing the car next to what turns out to be Leatherface. And he cuts into their car with the chainsaw and, and the one guy gets his head kind of cut in half. Yeah, no, that's definitely gross, but good. Yeah. I really yeah. like that movie. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. I, I love it now. But yeah, as a kid, freaked me out. Yeah. Flipped my world. Yeah. But uh, do you have an R-rated, first R-rated horror movie memory? I don't even know for sure. I The first one I could remember that I know I saw when I was pretty young and that was R-rated was Halloween, which I saw at a friend's sleepover party. I think I was in fourth grade. Yeah. And it was it was definitely scary. I remember for some reason what I thought was the scariest was when she like goes into the bedroom and there's like the gravestone there in the bedroom and for some reason that's what stuck with me. So when I watched the movie again with you years and years and years later, that was the only scene that I remembered oh, from, yeah. from that time. But I, I wasn't particularly traumatized by it, I wouldn't say. It was nothing like Garfield's Halloween special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. So did uh, did you tell your parents that the, you watched Halloween Uncut or like whatever, R-rated? I don't think I did. Now they know, though. <laughs> now they know. They listen to this episode. <laughs> I, I don't think I told them then. I'm sure that it's come up after the fact. I mean, I think we've talked about it before on the podcast, but um, we were pretty sneaky about it. it was, yeah, we waited for her parents to go to bed and snack it on. Oh, Halloween, so scary. Yeah, well, it's a yeah. great great first R-rated horror movie, though. Yeah. Uh, so here's another one from Justin. And this is another one that was hard to research, but I... I think maybe we got to the bottom of it. So what was the first horror film to do the killer isn't really dead scare? I was looking, actually speaking of Halloween, Halloween was, you know, the earliest one that came to mind because it's, you know, one of the first slasher movies and it's really the one that, um, you know, sparked, say, breathed life into the genre, brought the genre back to life. Uh, But actually... Carrie at the end, I actually, I somehow looking at killer isn't really dead got me to the history of the jump scare. And that's where Carrie popped up. And I was like, oh, Carrie, duh. So that's at the very end, which I don't know, maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's real life. Maybe it's, you know, in her head. But the hand coming out of the grave at the end was, you know, what they said was maybe the inspiration for the future movies of Halloween and Friday the 13th, where the killer isn't really dead. So maybe. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, Carrie's great. Very good. All right. So I wanted to ask you this one um, because it was a very tough one for me. So I do not have an answer, but so I'll let you carry us on this one. And this was from Lisa. And she said, if we could interview any murderer, living or dead, who would it be and why? And what's the first question you would ask? This is probably cheating. So the first one that came to mind is the Zodiac Killer. And I'd ask, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yes. I love that. (laughs) And the reason why would be obviously because... I really want to know who who the Zodiac is, but 
Uh, I wanted to give a, a little bit less of a joking answer. So I think my second choice would be Ted Bundy. And the reason why is because I'm still like months and months later in the process of reading uh, Stranger Beside Me. But I've been chipping away, you know, a couple pages every couple of days. And I just, I really want to know. And again, I it's Ted Bundy. So unless he gets like truth serum or something, he's probably not going to <sighs> tell the truth. But like, I would like to ask him if there are any circumstances where he could imagine himself just living a normal life and not murdering people. So, you know, is it really an issue with that girl who, you know, turned him down? Does he think that if he had married her, he never would have killed? Or was it something that he was always going to to wind up doing? So I'm I'm pretty curious about that because, you know, he does seem like a case where maybe he could have just grown up to be one of those psychopaths that are actually quite successful in the business world or whatever. (laughs) Um, But, you know, absolutely, definitely a psychopath. Yeah. But CEO of a large Fortune 500 corporation. Yeah, could be. Yeah. This is another one from Lisa, but this one's for you, David. Me? Little yeah, it's me. for you. All right. So what was the first horror movie you ever saw? Why do you love them so much? And who is your next favorite villain besides Freddy? Ooh, sneaking in a couple of questions. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah I love this series of them. Yeah, no, it's really good. So my first horror movie which was George Romero's 1968 Night of the Living Dead. Wah-ah-ah. They're coming for you, Barbara. <laughs> Um, it was on PBS one Halloween night when I was probably five or six and it was uncut and no breaks, no nothing. It was just on TV. And from there on out, I had recurring nightmares about being chased by zombies. And for years, zombie films were and probably still are the only thing that kind of creeps me out. So it definitely had a lasting impact on me. So thank you, George Romero, for giving me those wonderful dreams yeah i also thank george romero because i think that your love of horror movies has really shaped who you are and i love who you are oh why thank you (laughs) and i love you as for why i love horror movies i love them for the thrill of course but really i've really kind of always been captivated by the art of the scare and the creative ways that filmmakers have brought undead creatures nightmares spooky ghouls and frightening freaks to life so really the art of it you know whether it's an 80s creature feature with a bunch of gooey you know slimy monsters to a more modern like take on horror with some sort of supernatural bent uh yeah i love all of that the next one wow it's it's a good one it's a good question besides freddy it's very hard to follow up freddy for me i i don't have a very inspired answer but i would have to say it's michael myers john carpenter is like my my favorite filmmaker and i just love the story of halloween and the first well the first three movies the third one doesn't have him in it but you know but the third one's the best one it yeah it's <laughs> it's fantastic but i do want to follow that up with uh since there's multiple questions i have multiple answers for this <laughs> final question in this series i think just the deadites in the evil dead series are some of my favorite collective villains because you know they could be one of your friends when you decide to go on a camping trip out in the cabin of the woods and any one of them could become a deadite turn against you and and try to kill you and, and swallow your soul yeah and the design of them i think as they get especially and we just finished watching ash versus evil dead r.i.p ash versus evil dead yes but like the designs of them have become like very cool yeah they have yeah, yeah the sort of furled brow and the eyes that go wide yeah. and just the the look of them you're right and like yeah. the weird little monsters like this the cell phone monster i feel like it's <laughs> yeah it's very neat yeah yep yeah when you talk about the creativity of horror movies that definitely is at the forefront for me yeah cool all right so now we're getting into um, some less true crime and horror movie questions and little questions about us and this podcast and how it came to be. So this one is from Justin, and he wanted to know if there were any other concepts or ideas we had for the podcast. Oh, yes. There were a lot of other ideas. There were a ideas. lot of other ideas, yes. Um, and actually, I want to combine this. Debbie asked, why and how did we decide to do a podcast? Yep. So I think that the the two of those kind of go together. So Chelsea, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> Chelsea, so your I'm list of, ins- of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one to blame for this. You know why and how did we decide to do a podcast? I 
David and I have actually been listening to podcasts for longer than me. You know, you've been listening for years and years and years. And I started, time. I started with Serial, you know, when Serial became big and popular. I was um, still in grad school. And when I worked in the lab, I could just put in my headphones and listen to whatever I wanted. And some of my friends would listen to Serial and really liked it. And I listened to it and I loved it. And that was also kind of my gateway drug into true crime podcasts. So from there, I discovered Sword and Scale, and I listened to a bunch of that. And from that, I branched out to My Favorite Murder, which is, I think, where I kind of became a little bit more involved in like the community and joining the murderino groups and, um, you know, feeling like I wanted to really be a part of of the community and also realizing, you know, podcasts don't have to be super serious. They can just be fun. So I always wanted to, you know, have a fun podcast and actually little podcast of horrors who uh, we had the, the crossover episode, you know, Julie was the first person I met who had a podcast and I was like, I want to do that. (laughs) Um, And of course the first thing that I wanted to do was have a, my favorite murder esque podcast. Right. So the only issue with that is I would need to find someone to co-host it with me, which, <laughs> you know, when it when it comes down to it, project like this, which is a really big you know, time commitment and the logistics of just sitting down and recording are not easy. And I really wanted to have a podcast with David also because, you know, we, we are partners in everything and this would be a big creative venture that we could do together. So, you know, that was where I was like, OK, what can we do? That's not my favorite murder, because <laughs> David is not really you know a, a true crime addict like me but he loves horror movies so you know that that was really where it was like okay what if we did this and once the name came it was like you know grab the domain grab the instagram let's just try it out and you know it's been a lot of fun but we had other ideas we're gonna do a just a horror movie review podcast every couple weeks or so i'm like david let's start another podcast yeah. I'm, I'm full of ideas but but this this is our baby we still have kind of a, an epic one up our sleeve at some point which i don't want to give it away yeah yeah that's, that's what we're thinking about we'll see the the move i think has been a big time suck and now that we're settled in and getting into the groove of, of my new job we'll see you might be hearing david's voice pop up somewhere later the Fraggle Rock podcast. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Uh, what was the other idea was to do a podcast reviewing Tales from the Crypt episodes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But yes. that, that did not come to fruition either. This that was, was after longtime listeners, or if you remember some of our early episodes where I was bragging about getting that Tales from the Crypt box set for like $20. That yeah. was uh, that was the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. Does that cover it? Um, I, I think so. But yeah, but I, 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 uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent when we uh, we did like a, a live interview with the History Dweebs podcast, yeah. which is a gr- another great show. Of, and had the that was, I think, one of the, the first questions we had been publicly asked was yeah. like, how, you know, how did we sort of start the show? And 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 I agree, like us being able to work on something creative together and in the best time and, and uh, you know, something a little different, I, I think is so, so great and rewarding. And I love I love doing the show with you. So thanks for re- refitting the My Favorite Murder format to speak to our strengths or whatever. Yeah, no, I, this is just so much more fun than I, I think anything. And it's it's a fun, you know, excuse for us to maybe watch the movies together that we never would have watched. And, you know, movies that, that I've really loved. So kind of on a related note, uh, there's a question from Bisma, and she wants to know uh, what are some things that we learned and obstacles that we've overcome? Um, gosh. Yeah, that's a, I feel like there's a lot there. There is a lot. And I think a big one that at least for me, you know, the only way to overcome it was to just keep recording and keep doing this is, you know, feeling comfortable. I think that if you go back and listen to our early episodes, you can kind of hear how uncomfortable I am. <laughs> We've gotten some reviews to that effect. Uh, but I feel, you know, much, much more comfortable with that. And that's just, you know, that's a time thing. And then, of course, the technology. <laughs> it's just been a hoot. Yeah. I mean, I had the working knowledge of like recording and editing, but yeah, it's just getting getting a home, a home set up, a home studio uh, all figured out and all that. There's there's just a lot involved in getting your show up and making sure everyone can listen. To- yeah, but I absolutely love I mean. I guess now that we're a year old, maybe we can say we're somewhat established, but like new podcasts that have been popping up, you know, like I've, I've been able to talk to some people about, oh, like these are the mics we use. This is how we have a set up and like feeling like we're kind of can, can help new podcasts get off the ground, I think has been um, 
just a really good point to make it to and it's been great and watching I think we we kind of started at a similar time to a lot of other podcasts so it's cool seeing everyone celebrating their anniversary and now it's our turn (laughs) yep Bisma has another question and that was what is our favorite episode we've recorded so far and why so Chelsea do you have one in mind that just kind of jumps out at you I do I think that my favorite episode we've recorded so far has been in cold blood and I think that's just because the movie was so good I I think that's kind of by far been my my favorite movie that we've we've watched for the podcast and it's also a really interesting story to research and it's always it's like simultaneously easier and harder when there's a lot of information out there about it and there is a lot of information out there about in cold blood but i think the big thing that made it for me was just how much i enjoyed the movie though oh very cool yeah what about you i have two the first one which i feel like i learned a ton about and it was also kind of a surreal episode and that was episode seven on clairvius narcisse zombies and the serpent and the rainbow Wes Craven's film that was uh inspired by the events that transpired and the research into zombification yes I thought that that was pretty amazing um you know Wade Davis's book and how he encountered the culture in Haiti and all that that was just really amazing and I learned a lot and I got to talk about you know one of my favorite directors who did A Nightmare on Elm Street Wes Craven yeah oh that's good because uh, Bismuth's other request was to sneak in as many Nightmare on Elm Street references as possible. So oh, we're, we're yeah, doing cool. pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the other one that I think had a really good response was um, our uh, episode 16 on Deadly Dreams and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, another reference. You're on a roll. <laughs> yeah. That was just a lot of fun. And it was, uh, it was our halloween episode of last year and i uh i, I thought that was a lot of, really great so yeah yeah now that you should bring up older episodes it got me thinking our episode on dead ringers oh that yeah. was a yeah. lot of fun to research because it's not really like a typical true crime story but it's really fascinating yeah uh, and we got to talk about david Cronenberg, so it's true yeah cool uh so here's one from charles what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow the answer is 24 miles per hour (laughs) but also we see that reference we get it we get you thank you yeah it's good good all right and this will be a fun one so this is debbie and Teresa. they both asked this question how did we meet well we were both cleaning up a crime scene uh (laughs) oh wait no that's not true no we met in person for the very first time yes at a concert and it was a concert for the band daughter yes and actually a mutual friend had organized the event of a bunch of people just meeting up to go to the show and um i don't think she necessarily set us up no but she had mentioned you to me before because and, yes. i had gone to trivia with her and one of the questions uh the answer was the movie cube uh which i knew and i got the answer to it and she was like, oh, you know, I have a friend who's really into horror movies. <laughs> so it's actually the first thing I ever learned about you. Um, well, and she mentioned you to me as well. So yeah. there was a little bit of matchmaking going there on there. But, but we did meet on, yeah. organically, which I thought was really great. Yes. And, and we hit it off very well. Yes. David was wearing a shirt with a cat on it. And I had a phone case, a black phone case with little ears like a cat. Yes. Uh, so we had initially bonded over our love of cats and... You know, our love of going to concerts and we talked all night and uh, I had a very generous friend who I'd driven there and she kind of bowed out and sat in the corner and played on her phone so that we could just keep talking. So yeah, thanks Jess. And then we had our first date the next week. <laughs> yes. Our first date was, uh, I think that was Sunday and then our first date was Friday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was. And then, uh, so the venue we met at was Plush in St. Louis. That was the same site of our first date. Yeah. And then I think a year or two later, it closed. It did. It tragically closed. Yeah, it tragically closed. But David still proposed to me outside of Plush. I did. So it was it was very sweet. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's our origin story. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was in 2013, fall yes. of 2013. Yeah. Met. yeah. Yeah. And then well, we got married October 1st of. Uh, 2016. 2016, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So here's another one from Teresa. How are we happy and upbeat all the time? The answer is we're not. <laughs> um, we, I'm glad we could fool you on the podcast, though. But, I mean, recording the podcast makes us happy. So that's probably why we sound um, happy and upbeat. But obviously, no one, no one is happy and upbeat all the time. We just 
had a very stressful move, but you know, we're we're there for each other through this stuff, which definitely helps. I'm a ray of sunshine all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yep, it's true. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's called uh yeah, it's like uh sometimes it's like, hey David, and sometimes it's like, hey, Mr. Happy and Upbeat Guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Right handed or left handed? Oh wait, no, ha- oh, hang wait. on. All right. Uh no, I just thought of this though. I think I think um one of the things that hopefully comes across in the podcast um that sort of like intangible happy and upbeat feeling is that Chelsea and I really love being together. I feel like we have a great chemistry. We get along super well. I would hope we have good chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when we get that feedback wait, uh, from uh Oh, am I supposed to say that we have chemistry? I think other people are supposed to say we have chemistry. And we we've, we've gotten <laughs> that feedback from listeners and it's like well, we're married. I hope we have good <laughs> chemistry. Yeah, but no, but it's it's sweet. It it makes me so happy when when we hear that. You know, because yeah, I, I would hope that it it comes across. Um. All right. So, right-handed or left-handed, Chelsea? Right-handed. And you? Left-handed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it matches up, right? Because left-handed is supposed to be the more creative side of the brain, and right-handed is the more technical side of the brain. So. Yeah, I'm always in my right mind. Yeah, I'm always in my left mind. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Best ice cream flavor? Oh, chocolate. See, I'm I'm very particular. I used to really like butter pecan. I think that was my favorite for a while. But my favorite ever is this ice cream called El Diablo that you can get at JP Licks, um, which is a ice cream chain in Boston. And it's it's chocolate, but it's like a spicy chocolate. That sounds that's, tasty. That's my favorite. Ooh, cool. It's so good. Nice. All right. And then the uh, last question from Teresa is, what kind of work did we do before podcasting slash do we both still work outside of podcasting? And the answer is we still work outside of podcasting. Podcasting, I think there are a handful of podcasters out there who actually make a living podcasting, but 99.9999999% of us, which I'm assuming that's a percentage because there are so many podcasts, but this is something we do for fun. This is, you know, a passion project for, you know, most most people that I know. People aren't really making a living from it unless you're my favorite murder, which congratulations <laughs> to them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we we both work outside of podcasting. Actually, my job is what moved us to Santa Fe. Yeah, I, I'm i an environmental engineer. <laughs> I, I do laboratory research. So uh, that's that's what I do to make some some money, some change. Yep, uh, doctor. Yeah, yes. Uh what about you, David? What do you do for work? Check out at Lab Creature on Instagram. Yeah, um, yeah and I've uh, I'm just a designer, a designer of all things. I guess I've been doing it for like 20 years now. So primarily web design, user interface design, graphics, all the everything. I don't know. I do a little bit of everything that's in, involved in the digital creative arts, I guess, and also in, in the fine arts. Yes. So yeah, check out at Lab Creature on Instagram, I guess, really to see what I'm up to. Yeah. But no, great questions. So thank you so much. Um, And hopefully you guys have learned a little bit, well, from all these questions, but this one's kind of a a very like personal one. So yeah. Well, here's another personal one for you from Mariah. What is our favorite kind of pizza? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, The more cheese, the merrier. No meat ever on a pizza. And uh, I I love like uh, a good like double cheese, deep pan mushrooms or green peppers, whatever, you know, the kind of kind of good veggies what about you well i'm a bit spoiled because i grew up in new jersey so i had access to an assortment of delicious pizzas as i was growing up so to me the best pizza is new york style not super thin crust but just look up new york style pizza if you don't know what it is if you don't know what it is i'm sorry for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's like a very classic pizza so not not deep dish um i love plain cheese but i actually also really love uh white pizza with broccoli and that's it has kind of like lumps of ricotta cheese and a bunch of uh, mozzarella melted and broccoli and it's it's delicious that's usually what what we get from uh, this one good pizza place close to our house shout out santino's pizza i took you <laughs> the first time we went and just not since then no. No. <laughs> uh, I will say my favorite kind of pizza is Quattro's deep pan pizza in my yes. hometown of Carbonell, Illinois it's the only location in the world so that's yes that. it's actually Quattro's is delicious and that's coming from a pizza snob (laughs) and it's not new york style but it is really good 
Um, so Chelsea, this one's uh, is a very special question um, from your mom. Oh no! And she's wondering why you're obsessed with violence and murder. Did you have a horrible mother? The answer is no. I had and have a wonderful mother. And she is awesome. Yes, I'm obsessed with violence and murder because of uh, video games and rap music, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. I don't know why. I think that for some people it's interesting. For other people it's to be avoided. And I am someone who finds it interesting and fascinating. And it has nothing to do with how awesome my mom is. Right on. This question is from Good Morning Nancy, fantastic horror movie podcast. Yes. What is our favorite meal of the day? So what's yours, Chelsea? Breakfast, of course. Breakfast is my favorite. It's my favorite meal to go out for. It's my favorite meal to cook at home. I love breakfast. Yeah. I love breakfast, too. I I, uh, I feel like it's the only meal that any meal, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you could interchange it for breakfast and it would be good. But I've never been in a situation where at breakfast time, I'm like, you know, it'd be really good, a dinner kind of meal. I think I'll have insert whatever. I have had leftover pizza for breakfast a handful of times, though. Oh, yeah. That yeah. could be good now and again. But I love breakfast. I Same. love eggs. Yeah. I love potatoes. Yum. I love pancakes. I love waffles. Oh, now I really want breakfast. I just saw a waffle iron that you can make your waffles into like a keyboard. Like it's not, it doesn't actually function, yeah. but it just looks like a keyboard. That's cool. Yeah. I'd eat that. I think a Texas shaped waffle is kind of neat. I've had quite a few of those. I had a Texas shaped waffle in a hotel in Nashville. Oh, <laughs> Oddly yeah. enough. Yeah. Yes. All right. So we've got a handful of them from Emily Plus Dogs uh, on Instagram. So she wants to know when did we first tell each other about our love of true crime and horror movies? <laughs> and I know for you in horror movies, at least it was early. It might've been actually the night that we met that it came up just in conversation. Yeah. 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 I was like, <laughs> have you seen a nightmare? Else? <laughs> well, cause I, I knew from, from our mutual friend that, um, you know, you you were kind of known for being the horror movie guy. Wow. Uh, That's, wow. So, okay. so, yeah, it came up early. <laughs> In terms of true crime, I was not very forthcoming. I think uh, probably the my only, uh, what would you call it, like a giveaway was when I would bring up all of the horrible news stories that I was reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I you did. Probably did that for, it was probably up until, you know, podcasts were the first time that I feel like I really sought out, you know, true crime as a genre. I was like, oh, this is something that exists. Oh, other people are into it. You know, as, as a media, I would consume. I did have friends, my uh, best friend that I met in college. You know, we, we kind of bonded over our, our interest in it. But Yeah, I um, remember you talking you know. about like serial killers here and there. And I was like, wow, you know a lot about <laughs> insert like, whoever wow, serial killer. Wow, you're really killer. creepy. <laughs> no, I was like, ooh, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it was like, hey, uh, I'm into true crime. You like horror movies? I'm into true crime. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. Um. Yeah, no, it's. I was quite sneaky about it. I waited until you moved in with me and couldn't escape. And then I was like, by the way, I like talking about serial killers. <laughs> um, so here's another one from uh, Emily Plus Dogs. She wants to know what the first film we watched together and said yes at is so a movie that we watched together that we really enjoyed and we we're trying to think of like early movies that we had watched together and uh just go with the the reference we did watch Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Elm Street. Yeah, yeah we went through the, the whole series yeah that was pretty early on i know evil dead was early on because it was because we made costumes while we watched it um, we did yeah we did John Carpenter movies kind of early on. I did list a few. These were ones that kind of stood out to me from movies that we watched early on that I like really, really loved. Uh, so Reanimator. Yes. Excellent. Uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which I've talked about in my favorite John Carpenter movie and uh, Dead and Buried. Oh, yeah. So those were the yeah. three that kind of stood out, at least to me. You know, we did we did a lot of watching movies that David loves. I mean, that's that's kind of your thing. We did watching TV shows that I love. Yeah, because I... I a TV show buff. Yes, yeah, you, know? you, you are. And uh, yeah, I just never watched a 
a ton of like series. Yeah, yeah. So I I made David watch a bunch of Doctor Who with me. We watched first five seasons of Supernatural together. I believe you introduced me. I mean, I, I didn't force you. I didn't tie you up and hold your eyes open like in Clockwork Orange. Or maybe I did. <laughs> uh, Life on Mars is a TV show that, that I introduced you to. Supernatural was a big one that you showed me because I feel like you're super knowledgeable about and adamant about the first five seasons being the only seasons that exist. And so we breezed through those and, and I, I really liked that show. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm considering, as I've been reading more about it, I've been considering watching. I watched a couple more seasons after that before I finally stopped, but then I heard it gets good again, but now I'm so far behind. It's it's tough. We'll see. But yeah, yeah, are there any other movies that I introduced you to that Bridget you Jones liked? Diary. <laughs> Thought that was a good one. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh i don't have very good taste in movies <laughs> the proposal yeah Did oh yeah that yeah that was like the first romantic comedy we saw together it was yep still one of my all-time favorites Ooh, <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of people just turned off the podcast and unsubscribed oh <laughs> um the sure thing yes yeah. that's a lot of the movies really yeah like i feel like a lot of the movies i introduced you to have been romantic comedies just because i mean even other movies that i love that are romantic comedies you've seen you've just seen many more movies than me yeah, yeah. i've seen a lot of movies i know yeah. <laughs> oh and here's another really good one i do like this one uh, is there a horror film or case that one of us loves but the other can't stomach and this is this one kind of answers it for both of us which is um the silence of the lambs yes and i think I think but I come. You love it now. I do, yeah. I do. But you know, we talk about on our episode on the on the case and the movie. It's a Patreon episode, so don't freak out. Oh, that's right. It's like, oh, I didn't never listen to it. But yeah, we yeah. If you want to listen to it, you gotta pay us a dollar. Gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that was one that I mean, it, it it so churned my stomach that for like twenty years afterwards, I couldn't watch Anthony Hopkins in a movie at all, not <laughs> at all. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a, yeah. it's a really good movie, but yeah. Could, and I mean, I've it. I've loved it from day one. I that was that was one that I watched when I was fairly young and just loved it. You know, there are some for me that I have trouble stomaching. Obviously, home invasion movies are are hard ones for me. But another one that kind of popped out that I have some trouble with, but uh, David really loves is Pumpkinhead. Yes. So I I watched it once a few years ago around Halloween time at David's behest. And uh, I just love the little kid so much that, and like, I obviously knew he was going to die because that was the catalyst for the movie and it was difficult and I I can't imagine watching it again. Oh yeah. yeah, The dirt bikes. Uh, I can't even think about it. Moving on to um, Emily Plus's second question. Plus dogs is... Her second question. Her last question. I mean, last question from from Emily plus dogs. Um, Do our cats watch movies with us? And the answer is yes. Yes. Always. Yeah. 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 We we have enough cats that there's usually at least two on the couch with us anytime we're watching a movie. Yeah, totally. And sometimes uh, Eames will jump up like in front of the TV and kind of watch very closely at what's going on. Yep. Wants to be part of the action. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our cats love it because you know they're most of them are lap cats or lap adjacent cats and you know if we're sitting down for a long period of uninterrupted time they're very pleased but they don't seem to uh get shocked by like sounds or anything that's going on in a horror movie yeah they're i don't know if we could say that they're watching the movie with us but they're accompanying us in our movie watching yeah Yeah. totally mostly they're just sleeping yeah (laughs) all right i thought this was a perfect question to end on this is from uh tony supernova and the question is, uh, how long do we plan on doing the podcast for? In- indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, for, for as long as it's fun and we have the time to commit to, you know, putting out episodes that, that we're pretty proud of. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things, you know, we, we try, try to do with the show is to not just do a string of the most obvious films based on true crimes. We don't want to, like, cover all of the, like, top, let's say, horror movies that are based on true crimes so that's why you'll see our our genres are fairly eclectic yeah yeah and i you know as someone who listens to a ton of true crime podcasts i also want to avoid the ones that you know a lot of other podcasts have covered so you know some someday we're gonna do zodiac it's probably my favorite true crime movie of all time but like who isn't familiar with the zodiac case to me it's much more interesting to you know bring you something that 
maybe you haven't heard of. Yeah. Although like a Zodiac with David Fincher, there's a lot to talk about the filmmaking that side yeah. of it. So, you know, it, it kind of depends on how, how heavily it's weighted towards the case versus the movie. Um, but yeah, like, like Chelsea said, we, as long as we have the, the time and, and hopefully energy to keep producing the show, we'll, we'll keep, yeah, keep yeah. making we have, it. We have no, no ending in sight right now. It's still fun. I still have a very long list of movies that I, I want to cover and stories that I want to cover. And uh, also Tony Supernova says, we are hands down the cutest podcast couple. Oh, the super sweet. So, thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Very yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the end of our our list of questions. Do we want to end this one on a now playing and coming soon for good measure? Sure, I'll have to think of something off the top of my head, but yeah. why not? All right. Well, I can think of one off the top of my head for uh, my now playing. Oh, what do you got? Uh, we watched the Overboard remake. So speaking of romantic comedies, I know I had talked about previously for my coming soon. It was over the Overboard remake and it was the first movie that we watched in Santa Fe. We watched it uh, two days after moving here. We checked out the Violet Crown, which is a really cool movie theater where they serve food and drinks in the uh, rail yard district. And it was it was great. It was cute. It pressed all the right buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was cute. It was yeah. a cute movie. What about you? Do you have a now playing? Uh, so I'm uh, after our long drive. Our drive was uh, upwards of twenty hours plus um, oh out God. here. Yeah. Oh, it was plus. Yeah. Twenty plus, hours plus plus plus. plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I got the uh, audiobook for Stephen King's Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, and I'm nearly done with it. I have about maybe five hours left, but I think the audiobook is thirty plus hours. So it's a long one, but I I really love it so far it's a pretty epic story um it involves time travel and i'll just leave it at that i i really like it and i'm looking forward to finishing it hopefully this week so do you have a coming soon chelsea my coming soon i think we, we talked about this in the cult of based on a true crime uh discussion group but the netflix original series evil genius i'm very excited it it kind of came out when we were in the middle of the move so it took us a bit to you know get the tv set up get the tv here in santa fe and i've just been looking forward to to watching it and now it's just a matter of finding the time to binge all the episodes because i'm not very patient but uh it's it's about the uh pizza delivery man well the this is called the pizza bomber which he's the pizza delivery man who was had that bomb attached to his neck that eventually you know went off after he was forced to rob a bank and it's supposed to be excellent people have been just raving about it so sounds like a sci-fi movie to me yeah yeah i'm i'm pretty excited i think that i think you're gonna be really interested in it too it's a little bit reminiscent i think of you know making a murderer in terms of it just being a very good like crowd pleasing true crime documentary series sounds fun yeah uh so what's what's your coming soon david well, as a Star Wars nerd, I have to say Solo. Um, we're seeing it. Uh, well, I mean, by the time you listen to this, whatever, you may have seen it or, or not. But, uh, yep, the preview night. We're going to check it out. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to see a bunch of Chewbacca. Yeah, I'm excited for Lando. Donald Glover. Yes. Yeah. So well, Lando, too, of course. Yeah. yeah. He, he is going to be awesome. I'm, 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 I am excited about that. So um, that's, that's it. That's yeah. what I got. That's my solo answer. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for you know sticking with us this past year. Uh, if you're on social media, let us know what your favorite episode we put out is. I'd love to know. So you could find us on Instagram at Based on a True Crime. You could on find us Facebook, our Facebook yeah. discussion group, Cult of Based on a True Crime. You can get to that through our Facebook page, which is Based on a True Crime Podcast. Uh, on Twitter, we are at true crime based we have a website based on true crime.com you could email us based on true crime at gmail.com uh we'd we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear you know, what topic do you want us to cover in the next year let us know yes yeah please do and thanks so much for uh, wow we we talked about ourselves for an hour <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> maybe that's not surprising yeah yeah oh. yeah so thanks for the chance to get personal with you guys it's been yeah. really fun and uh yeah we just we really uh appreciate all the questions yeah and, uh, and uh we'll we'll be coming at you with some uh some of that content you guys know and love our true crimes and movies yeah we'll be coming at you maybe sooner than you think yeah and uh you know i i feel like uh 
I just want to say thank you, Chelsea, for being an awesome podcast host. Oh, thank you, David. You're awesome, and you're an amazing wife, an amazing person, and uh, I'm just so proud of your awesome accomplishments and and your new job and getting us here. And we survived the move, which is like it is yeah. a very stressful thing that people go through, and I think we survived it. Yeah, maybe I, we're ghosts. We might be ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, also wanted to give a. Besides all of the great podcast community support through true crime and horror and you listeners from around the world, uh, also wanted to give some creative credit to Nico Vitis, who composed our theme music. We started off with, you know, some stock music and, um, you know, we reached out to, to Nico and, and he really delivered on something that fits the tone of the show. So I feel um, like that was when I was like, oh, we're like really doing this. Yeah, this is a real thing. Yeah. 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 So, you know, find find him. Um, we Talk of Dreams on Twitter and uh, wetalkofdreams.com and also on Instagram. So thank you so much for having a, a, a big part of introing the show and, and giving us uh, a great feel. So we are we are very grateful. Yeah. You know, speaking of grateful, we made it. We made it, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just remember, though, death is but a door. And time is but a window. We'll be back. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs> 